Hi everyone, Brother George here again. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Bible Made Easy Podcast. I can't believe I'm at episode 50. It's a great milestone and a big thank you to my regular listeners for joining me for the ride. God bless you all. This is the fifth in a short series covering Bible prophecy and particularly what it tells us about the future. In the previous two episodes, I shared prophecies of the signs leading up to the return of Christ, with one episode dedicated to the final sign of the end, the rise of the wicked world dictator, the Antichrist, whose seven-year peace pact, when broken mid-term, will spark the beginning of the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation period, which will immediately precede the second coming of Jesus. The big question then is, when will he appear on the world scene? That's what we'll talk about today. Many of the signs Jesus gave that lead up to his second coming are phenomena that have been present for thousands of years, such as war, earthquakes, famines, false prophets and Christs, and increase in travel and knowledge, etc. These birth pangs, as Jesus called them in Matthew 24, he said, were the beginning of sorrows. And we've been seeing an increase in intensity and frequency of these signs in recent decades. So we know that his coming is getting nearer. However, the conditions that make the final sign possible, the rise and fall of the Antichrist, have only become a recent reality in the last few decades. For the first time ever, Just about every piece of the puzzle needed to usher in his appearance is in place. So let's go over the main ones based on what we learned from the scriptures I read in the last two episodes. I won't read those scriptures again, so if you haven't heard them yet, I recommend you listen to those episodes first. A falling away of faith Western nations will be some of the main drivers for the forming of the new world order of the Antichrist. And it's no secret that in recent decades there's been a steep decline in Christian faith in the West. Many Western nations that for centuries claimed populations of 90 plus percent Christian have sunk well below 50 percent and with many of the remaining Christians being weak, compromised, ineffective and suppressed. Christianity is no longer the dominant force in Western affairs, local politics and public discourse. Christian thought is marginalized and secular liberal ideology now dominates, with many of those countries gradually becoming more and more hostile to Christians. Globalism The creation of a host of supranational bodies, that is, multinational unions or associations in which member countries grant authority and sovereignty on at least some internal matters to the group whose decisions are binding on its member nations. Particularly since World War II, we've seen the establishment of bodies like the United Nations with its various arms including the UN Security Council made up of China, France, the Russian Federation, the United Kingdom and the USA. Then you've got the World Health Organization, the International Court of Justice, the European Union the G7, G8, G10, G20 and G24 groups made up of the most influential and powerful nations of the world, 
the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, as well as various regional groups of nations. These and other such bodies wield enormous influence over world affairs right down to the grassroots of affecting your and my daily lives, and will do so more and more as time goes by. The Antichrist would only have to gain power over a handful of the most influential of these nations or bodies to be able to control virtually the whole world. It just makes sense that the ten nations that grant power to the Antichrist and the three among them that he subdues, as predicted in the books of Daniel and Revelation, will come from among these nations or bodies or a combination of them or future versions of them. World Business and Financial Institutions Besides these political organizations, we have highly influential institutions, some private, such as the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the World Trade Organization, and the World Economic Forum, which promotes a socialistic-style reorganizing of the global order that they call the Great Reset, with the mantra of, you will own nothing and you will be happy. And then there are countless think tanks, lobby groups, and wealthy, powerful, and extremely influential individuals, along with supporting media, social media, tech, and other multinational companies. Virtually all of these political and private bodies are on the same page concerning the goal of working towards a utopian, global community with centralized control of every aspect of world society based on atheistic, secular humanist principles. Technological Advancement The institution of a universal digital monetary system involving the mark of the beast which is received on either the right hand or forehead without which no one can participate in the economy requires technology and biotechnology that is already in existence and for which many leading world movers and shakers are calling to be implemented right now. Have you heard of Amazon One? It's a device that's promoted as a quick, easy and free contactless service that lets you use the palm of your hand to pay for goods and services or identify yourself. And then there's a British-Polish firm's RFID technology-based skin implantable rice grain sized chip called Walletmore that allows digital payments simply by waving your hand over a scanner. The building of the third Jewish temple in Jerusalem for which the Antichrist will approve resumption of Jewish worship and sacrifices and which he will eventually occupy as a god along with his image. The problem is that the location of the proposed site is presently occupied by the third holiest site in Islam, the Al-Aqsa Mosque in the old city of Jerusalem. This site is considered highly sacred by both religions and the struggle for control over it is one of the most volatile aspects of the conflict between Arabs and Jews. The Jewish people have deeply held aspirations to rebuild a temple right there on that spot. And there are several organizations such as the Temple Institute and others working towards making this a reality by lobbying for political and public support, 
already designing the temple, preparing the building materials, and planning worship and sacrifice ceremonies. It's all ready to go. All that's needed is some sort of political agreement that will persuade or force the Arabs to allow it, which is what the Antichrist will broker with his seven-year peace covenant. Okay, so the practical conditions for the rise of the Antichrist are already here. So what's lacking? Basically, the cooperation of the world populace. Most nations are not yet ready and willing to completely give up their independence and sovereignty over to world bodies, much less a single world leader. But it's inevitable that this will eventually happen, mostly because the Bible predicts it. But not only that, if you're an atheist or even a skeptical Christian and you think that all this talk about a future new world order with an evil world dictator is nonsense, I urge you to just look around. Take a very close look at the news and you'll see that it all makes perfect sense. Now in principle, it's not at all a bad thing for the world to unite and be of one heart and mind in order to bring about peace and cooperation for the common good. That's a great thing, and it's becoming increasingly necessary as the global community becomes more and more socially and economically intertwined. The question is, though, who will be leading the world, and what will their attitudes be? Will the leaders of the future New World Order practice servant leadership as Jesus did, basing their decisions on godly, biblical principles, and sacrificing their own personal interests for the good of the people? Or will they be self-serving dictators basing their decisions on ungodly, atheistic principles who sacrifice the welfare of the people for their own benefit? I'll bet you can see where this is going. The prophets say that the Antichrist will come in peaceably, by flattery and by agreement. Just as the Russian revolutionists, the Bolsheviks, promised peace, bread and land, in the midst of the turmoil in Russia 100 years ago, the Antichrist will take advantage of the need for global cooperation and the need to solve social, health and economic crises in order to gain power. Many commentators and Bible scholars believe that there are behind-the-scenes actors right now who are deliberately taking advantage of and even creating world chaos to the point that the world will be desperate for their solutions and willing to give them control, thus paving the way for the Antichrist. There's compelling evidence for it, and I would not be the least bit surprised if that's true. Here's an insightful quote from Paul Henry Spark, the former Prime Minister of Belgium and former Secretary General of NATO. He said, We do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us out of the morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, be he God or the devil, and we will receive him. And here's the last piece of the puzzle that must fall into place. 2 Thessalonians 2, 6-8 tells us that God is the one withholding the rise of the Antichrist until the right time for him to enter the world stage. Here's what it says. 
and you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it, that's God doing the restraining, will do so until he's out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So, to sum up, the conditions for the rise of the Antichrist are almost completely in place. All that is necessary is greater compliance and desperation by the global populace for rule by a so-called saviour and for God to remove his restraining hand to allow it. Whether this happens very soon or decades from now is not clear. But we should have our hearts and minds ready for it because the scripture indicates it will happen suddenly or without warning, according to Daniel. When the new world order of the Antichrist appears, it will initially look and sound so good and ideal. Supernaturally, he somehow manages to broker a seven-year peace deal with all the previously fractured nations, ethnic groups and religions of the world and institute programs and policies that will bring about a seeming utopia of human brotherly cooperation without God but in fact under the direct influence of Satan. But the Bible tells us that things won't go well. There'll be resistance, conflict and disagreement. And in the midst of the seven years, the Antichrist will tear up the covenant, outlaw religion and opposition, and declare himself as God, and it will all descend into three and a half years of chaos. But don't forget, the Antichrist's time will be very short. And at the end of the last three and a half years of his reign, the Great Tribulation, Jesus will come to utterly defeat him, rescue his children, and usher in his eternal kingdom. That's a happy ending to really look forward to. And I'll talk more about that thrilling future in the next episode. Thanks a lot for joining me. If you haven't yet done so, please subscribe in order to receive notification of new episodes. As usual, you'll find links to all today's scriptures and resources in the show notes below. May God bless and keep you all. Bye.